What's shaking, cats and kittens? Rob Lee here with a special message from this month's presenting sponsor. So I got a question. What was the first Black-owned business in America to offer publicly traded stock? Hmm, stumped? Here's a hint. You definitely want to see how the sausage gets made on this one. Learn about it in our food gallery at the Baltimore Museum of Industry. Details at thebmi.org. Also, use the code TRUTH50, that is TRUTH50, and you'll get 50% off of admission at the front desk or use it when you're purchasing tickets online. So again, visit thebmi.org. Welcome to The Truth in His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of being in conversation with the founder and CEO of Hide and Seek Entertainment, LLC, which is an acclaimed marketing and event consulting company based in Baltimore, Maryland. Please welcome Heidi Klotzman. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much. See, I'm, make, I'm making the rounds. You know, the guests get more prestigious and acclaimed and illustrious as I'm going levels and levels and levels into this Baltimore You're scene. You're so funny. You just happened to hit a down-to-earth one. <laughs> well, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, so I want to start off really with, I, I give the cut and paste, the copy and paste kind of introduction. Um, give us the vital stats. Give us your background and um, at a very high level, describe your work. Oh, a high level. <laughs> or get as low as you um, like, as you said, you know, down to yeah, earth. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's all good. Um, let's see. Well, my background is um, I'm from the Baltimore area. Um, most of my work is in, in the city. I live right outside of it. Um, I went to Roland Park Country School and then Goucher and started my company when I was at Goucher. I um, was a psych major there and um, just started in uh, promoting nightlife, Club One, um, rest in peace. And um, and then, um, from that point forward, just branched out and, uh, marketed different concepts all over the city at different restaurants and, and, um, clubs and, and hotels and such, uh, networking, fashion, um, shows, um, live music events, uh, things of that nature. And then started advertising like charitable events and, um, festivals and just all kinds of different programming, cultural stuff all over the city mm -hmm. uh, to the following that I had built um, up to that point. And um, at, at this point, um, what it's evolved into is like three branches on a tree. There's uh, there's H&S Promotion, and that's like promoting events and businesses in Baltimore through like all kinds of different channels, Um like digitally, email, private, mobile, subscriber, really, really any way. And, oh, excuse me, that was just, of course, a text coming in about work. <laughs> but yeah, so, and the second one is um, uh, like H&S VIP events, and that would um, entail the private influencer events that I host um, for brands um, to get them some a serious exposure. Um, I, I specialize in like high-end real estate uh, openings, um, <clears throat> beauty and fashion, and uh, like a restaurants, food and beverage uh, for those influencer events. And lastly, um, H&S Talent is a live music and DJ booking and programming for um, local uh, hospitality venues and uh, special events. So those are those are the um, 
the three main things on a professional yeah. basis. On a on a personal basis, did you want to know that as well? Or please, it's, it, the floor is yours. Oh, okay, sure. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> we'll be we'll be here till next week. Okay. Um, on a personal level, um, I'm just a human and uh, very creative and appreciative of the arts. Um, I've, I have two books out. I think we're going to discuss that later. Mm-hmm. I'm wor- working on a third. Uh, about my dad's life um, and tenure in uh, the entertainment business, which is very colorful. Um, and um, yeah, I, I just uh, I try to do as much as I can to give back to to for outreach, um, and it's also for selfish reasons because it you know it just makes you feel better about yourself and um, more fulfilled um, to help anyone when you have the opportunity to. So. It's twofold in, in that regard. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I read that H&S has a great reputation. I, and I, obviously, I've been following you on social media, seeing just everything, everywhere. It, it's, it's popping, as they say. Um, oh, and, you're so sweet. <laughs> and, and your name has become synonymous with like Baltimore's like events or what have you. Like you're somewhere in there. Um, where where does that drive for like excellence come from? Because that reputation is is earned over time and through sweat equity, hard work, and you know building oh, that boy. out. Sweat equity, dude. That is so on point. Um, sorry to interrupt. Are you? No, that's that's so. Um, okay. Yeah, where does that drive for excellence come from? And and maybe who are some of those like influences and or mentors for you when it comes to like chasing that excellence? Um. For me, it's not necessarily chasing excellence. It's really just doing the best I can with what I have. Um, I'm very achievement oriented. Mm-hmm. Like I just always feel better when I'm being productive and um, setting goals and and achieving them. I guess you know we all have different ways to value ourselves, and mine is sadly achievement related. <laughs> and I say sadly because I don't think that that's the best way to be. Um, but that's kind of just how I'm wired. Uh, so yeah, I mean, really, I just like to get things done so that I can feel good about them and then look, look back at them and, and see what, um, what was accomplished. So I guess I can tell my ego later on, yes, you know, you did something, you did this, you made an impact, you were meaningful. Yeah. No, that's that's a big thing. That that's big. Uh, the, the, one of the ways I would ask that question, I was like, "What what drives you? Is it spite? Is it ambition? You know, like what is it?" Spite. Yeah. <laughs> same. <laughs> same. I'm, I'm running off of spite and a little ambition, but mostly spite. Um, well, yeah, I wanted to build a, a good track record in Baltimore, and um, I mean, success is different for different people. For me, I mean, yeah, of course, it's nice to to build um, some capital and some wealth, but for me, um, especially my my center of focus was always, again, being impactful, um, becoming well-known for the specialties um, that I do. Yeah, and, and, and things of that nature. So um, that, that, would be, that would be success to me, is, is again, um, being, being super known in the market, honestly, like equates to, if not more, than, than building... Um, income, I know, which which is not again. I'm I'm unconventional. Yeah. A lot of businesses live and die with the bottom line, and I put so much, like you said, sweat equity into stuff. Maybe too much. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah. <laughs> well, 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 that's a nice segue, actually. And I, I relate to it. And this, in having these types of conversations, I am a kind of classic. I just kind of do my own thing. And people are always in my area. How are you going to scale this? And so on. It's just like, look, I'm I'm not doing this for that. I'm doing this for the community. And I think too yeah, often. No, I sense that. Yeah. I sense that in you. And I think too often, like, you know, our, our people here are just like, oh, your story's not valid. And it's like, well, I'm going to use what I know how to do to get those stories out there the best way that I know how. Yeah. I mean, just because it's not relevant to them has no, I mean, has no bearing on its validity. Yeah. So with this, and we're in a kind of a similar bucket, although at different at different levels, because you're, you're crushing it. Um, you're a marketer talent oh, agent <laughs> and an influencer to thousands of social media followers. Uh, you've got a busy social calendar, obviously. And uh, how do you, you know it was dead? It was dead for two years because of the pandemic. But now and and normally in winter seasonally. And now it's it's pretty uh, ramped up. So how do you and, uh, how do you keep it all in overwhelming? Order? How do you keep it all in order? Oh, I don't. <laughs> no one does. Everyone lies. <laughs> I don't keep it all in order. No, I'm just like super anal and prepared, like over prepared for certain things. And like the second I need to get something done, like I get it done like immediately so that um, it, all, even all my texts are clean. My inbox, like my email, like they're all clean. I'm, I'm super like retentive about that stuff. It's the Virgo moon, I think. And <laughs> um, me, but yeah, when it comes to keeping things in order, I could do a much better job in the sense of structure. Mm -hmm. Um, especially because, uh, you know, then there's like a beginning and an end to the work day, which is another question I think you discussed having. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think being able to have like a process of how the, these things work, like a lot of times when we're in this kind of entrepreneurial journey and we're, we're doing our things, we're just like, this is the way I'm doing it. And um, I, I'm kind of the same way. Like I had a couple of emails before I got on here of different consulting and such I'm going to do. And I'm like, yeah, I'm typing this back immediately or scheduling this something just mm -hmm. so I know that it's addressed because it will yeah, fall so it's off. off. It's off your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And your shoulders, because like everything that like we do or don't do, you know, is like I'm learning more and more is is felt. And then there's results in the body. So built up tension. No, that's that's very that's very true. Like um, when I was doing these movie screenings and uh, it's always a thing. And when, when I'm in front of people, because I'm usually I have this specter of not being in front of people. Hey, I'm on Zoom and we're just recording this. Hey, I can fake it. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and I can get away without wearing pants or whatever shoes or something that makes me feel more comfortable. <laughs> uh, but if I have to go in front of folks, there's a different set of set of requirements there. And my energy level is dead. I'm depleted afterwards because it's it's a different oh, yeah. it's a different undertaking. So. Mm -hmm. One of the things like I wanted to know is um, what is advice that you would give specifically to female founders or CEOs at the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey? Like something that you've either heard and applied or something that you've learned that you would share with um, female founders or entrepreneurs? Mm. Um, I, I would say connect with other female <clears throat> entrepreneurs immediately. And, you know, reach out to people like me and like there's a lot of other folks uh, you can DM and just say, you know, that you're getting involved in this um, entrepreneurial community and this is what you do and who you are and and that you'd love um, to connect and, and add value at the same time, of course. 
you know, not just the ask, but, you know, uh, offer yourself up to support what it is that they're doing and what they have going on genuinely. And, you know, then you'd be surprised uh, you start slowly. Um, even people are a little more skeptical nowadays, um, but uh, you start building a, a crew like of, of folks around you that you can trust and brainstorm and bounce uh, bounce over things with as you go, like about your successes and about the challenges. Yeah, I, I think the way that we approach communication has changed a lot and people feel a little gun shy and or, or not as confident in approaching people. And, and I'm well, well, also and, and also on like DM, mm -hmm. like like because people are ha getting hacked all over the place right now. So you don't yeah. necessarily always know who you're talking to. So yeah, just do your due diligence, you know, and just um, don't click on any links in the DMs. <laughs> Absolutely not. Hacking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can just ask for the email and then, you know, email them directly. If you have any um, interest or texting, there's, there's all kinds of ways. Yeah. And, and that's the way that I am when people reach out about like, hey, how do I get in the space? And, you know, what are some of the tips? Because I see that you're, you know, doing podcasts like regularly and been doing it for a very long time. And um, I'm like, well, you know, information is to be shared. You don't have to try to make money or it's like, look, serve the community, be, you know, add value to someone and really establish yeah, connection. It doesn't cost that much, like just a smidge of time. You know, if you're sharp like you are, it takes you very quickly to answer a question or, or what someone needs. And of course, if they want to go in depth and consulting and such, you should charge for your value mm -hmm. um, to to add to whatever someone has going on. But if it's, you know, like newcomers just asking a few things and some tips, it's important to to be helpful because that's what you would have wanted when you started. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, too often we, we just like some people just are against that and, you know, and having to do more DM oriented things and sending more emails. Like I wish people were more like you and I, where it's like, look, I'm going to respond to this. I'm just got to do this. Or, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if someone's like super annoying or like, you know, kind of negative or egotistical in their messaging, it's really all about like, I guess, tone and delivery when, when uh, talking to new folks and even old folks, um, you know, so, so it's just, you know, when something comes across to me and I'm I like feeling turned off by it, yeah, I'm not going out of my way, but if it's, if it seems like it's a sincere person, then it's totally fine. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes we get a preview early of, maybe what our calling can be, right? And calling, I've learned in doing this podcast is a very important word. Like people trivialize it, but it's a very important word. So tell me about maybe your first experience either as an entrepreneur on the business side of like entertainment that you may have had when you were younger, maybe had as a kid. Because um, like, I think back to, and, and I had a guest point this out to me. It was like, I feel like you were in front of a stage when you were a kid. And I was like, I was. And now, as I was saying earlier, <laughs> that terrifies me. So it's like captivating and talking to people and saying stuff of value. Sure. Being in front of people. Eh, I don't know. Well, no, you have the voice for it. Thank you. I mean, yeah, you have a very special, clear voice. Um, but when it comes to. Uh, you're talking about. um the inspiration from childhood? Yeah, like any like of the, the calling. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So 
I guess I always wanted to bring people together. I got like joy and uh, self and satisfaction from um, introducing people to other people um, that didn't know each other. Um, and especially bringing people from different uh diverse backgrounds together because I saw very early on as a kid how people were so self-segregated socially Mm -hmm. um uh, not at work or school perhaps um because they couldn't uh control that but socially it was just a self-imposed all white this group or all black this or all you know whatever this at the lunch tables you know um for parties and all that and it just never made sense to me and it, it seemed pretty obnoxious so I would uh, like very deliberate about being uh, inclusive uh, to people of all backgrounds because it just enriches the space. It enriches you and and everyone else and also helps to break down really obnoxious, like, you know, uh, racist and sexist and all kinds of ist um, (laughs) barriers. So um, that was really an early calling. And then, you know, I, I would just have parties and it just felt like, I was supposed to be the life of them. Um, I grew up watching my dad uh, um, promote concerts. And um, I, you know, looked up to him in terms of what it took to promote, produce uh, concerts uh, locally and nationally. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, that just, uh, that propelled me because of just that feeling when you go to an arena or a show and, you know, I always say, and it's true, like everyone, the smell of it, like everyone's perfume and cologne is like mixing. And then there's this one scent. There's all this energy and um, it's it's a community. And then, you know, they're also obviously there Mm -hmm. for who is on stage. Um, But just the theatrics, um, everything about it, I, I found very fascinating. So. Um, and like, in, even in middle school, like I, I had like a kind of famous bat mitzvah when I was 13, I had like four Baltimore club icons, <laughs> um, DJing it, you know, this little Jewish kid. And I made sure, you know, there are folks there from like private school, public school, all the, all the different backgrounds. Again, like I almost enjoyed, it was entertaining and amusing for me to see people like realize like oh wow there's like people i don't normally hang out with here like and then watch them like you know try to interact i mean maybe that's kind of weird but but i like to push the envelope on that stuff um but yeah the four uh club icons were scotty b still around yeah great great guy um dj booby still here and i miss tony and reggie reg passed unfortunately Mm. but those were the four um, and it was a little bit unusual for, for a uh, typical uh, bat mitzvah, but that's what I liked. And then, <laughs> and then, um, and I found them out by the way, by going to, I don't know, was security or Westview. Uh-huh. Um, was it Westview? West something mall. Yeah. Um, growing up and there was like that store where they would do track 43, tra- I mean, track 45 track. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you would hear all these club mixes and they would also play them at the mixers, um, uh, the the black awareness club parties or whatever at school and it was just like the best most fun most five most lively music and i was like wow so that's how i got introduced to all of it probably from from a friend but then and tangential of course but then on to high school um the calling like 
evolved into hosting um, a VH1 Save the Music benefit at our house um, for um, a, a school project. And um, that one had four goals to throw a great party, for it to be diverse on stage, for it to be diverse off stage, and um, to highlight some uh, great local talent. Um, one was uh, Naeem uh, Jawan, formerly Spankrock, and he was, I was like 18. We were all young. Um, he was uh, from Gilman, and he, you know, got pretty big. Um, touring with his work. It's really, really creative dude. And then there's um, Easy Jackson was, of course, there. And this dates back all the way, you know, to high school. It was like 20 years ago. Um, he was in the group, um, maybe I think it was called The Connection or something, um, uh, with some other guys from School for the Arts. So we had like uh, one hip-hop, um, one... Um, uh, Naeem's all over the place. Um, he's like uh, genre, genre mm-hmm. crashing. So then there was um, another uh, hip hop group from the county, um, and there was a rock group. Yeah, and, uh, it was just a great night. We raised money. Like it wasn't that much, but I mean, it was a, it was something. It was the first contribution to the Baltimore chapter. So it was like 200 kids, five bucks a head, except for the people who ran through the forest to avoid the <laughs> <laughs> the cover. And um, yeah, uh, I took a lot of like pride in that because like, I mean, the kids in the schools, they should have music programming. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because it really helps build confidence and give an outlet, especially when you're as bored as I was in um, math and, and science. Um you need something else at school, especially if you're not into sports. Uh, to, and, you know, there's there's theater as well, which is important. But I think that's pretty much covered in schools. But the music programming, it seems like the first thing um, to get cut. Yeah. But yeah, that that was like a calling that regenerated in a, in a different fashion in, in college. And then I told you how, how it, it went from college to now. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. For, thank you for taking us through that, because um, I think you're going to be particularly interested because um, I got a there's there's a, a episode with Scotty B that's in this list. You have to check oh, that out. Sweet. I love him so much. <laughs> He's so amazing. Like him and DJ Booby, like yeah. when they go when they go live and their sets, I just go ballistic. I start dancing. I forget. I'm, I forget. I'm exercising. <laughs> and um, yeah, they're just legends. Yeah, it's a really I'll definitely check that out. It's a really funny question at the end when I asked the uh, rapid fire questions. I was like, so which which drink do you not like? He's like, I don't like water. <laughs> I was like, I Yeah, did. yeah, I'm <laughs> sure. It was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's in everything. Yeah, right. Um, so I, I listened to this TED Talk. And these are the last like, like two real questions before I get to these rapid fire ones. I listened yeah, to it. Yeah, I listened to a TED Talk um, a little while back, and one of the key takeaways in it was not to bury your failure. You can learn and grow from it. I think too often we kind of like, eh, I failed at that. I'm not going to take anything from it. Tell me about a time where you failed like spectacularly. Because, you know, when we take chances, we fail. And, um, but you learn something from it. So tell me about a time where you failed like really, like really badly, but you learned an important lesson from that failure. Oh, Lord. There's too many. <laughs> <laughs> That's an honest answer. <laughs> this is... Yeah, I mean, definitely. I I make mistakes. Um, maybe not as many as I used to. 
Um, but I'm thinking about it was the biggest failure. Like I tell you that. <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty open about stuff. But um, let's see something. That, what was a decent failure per se? <sighs> you know, I don't. I don't necessarily see any as failures. I, I really just see trial and error. Mm. Um, you know, as as I went along, and and still you know, as, as you go along, because like, what, what do you learn from all these mistakes? I mean, you try not to repeat them, but we're human and we're habitual. Yeah. Um, so maybe we can catch ourselves better next time, catch ourselves faster, maybe be a little more diplomatic and mature when there's conflicts. Um, I've learned a little better to, to hold my tongue on certain things. Um, because it's very expressive and there's no like ceiling or boss here. So I am. So yeah. there's no one to kind of discipline me or like, you know, uh, make me come correct per se. And like in, in, in difficult environments, but like really just as you go, you learn to navigate um, things a bit better. And every now and again, there'll be some kind of miscommunication, uh, especially during Mercury, which is in retrograde yeah, oh, right gosh. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And tell me that that doesn't tell me that doesn't affect stuff. It because does. there's so many, yeah, yeah, no, I know, but there's all these dudes online, like, it doesn't astrology, like, you know, isn't real, and this, that, and the other, even though, like, our bodies are, like, <laughs> mostly water, and the moon affects the tides, yeah. <laughs> then affects water, you know, which is, you know, us, um, but, but yeah, so much stuff since, since this last one started has, uh, people misunderstood each other, you know, there's, um, offense taken when not needed mm -hmm. i mean in personal and businesses it's crazy yes i've, I've but had... yeah yeah as as but but your answer as to the failures yeah just nothing is necessarily coming to mind that i would consider that um there's things that i regret that i've said and done over life but i don't really again see it as you know a failure no, i understand that that's and that's an honest way of looking at it like um sometimes when so, so two things. Sometimes when I'm on that kind of wave where I'm at my most confident, never failed. It's like I turned to LeVar Ball, never failed, no losses. It's like, all right, settle down. Like you've done a bad podcast or uh, and, and with the retrograde. Yes. Like um, because this is such a a people oriented thing, you have to book. Yes, you have to talk with them. And, you know, I was reading a quote earlier. I need to break down a little bit that um, like art is like sex or what have you. And it's just like, look, you got to be yeah. honest and all of these different things. James Nasty posted it. And, 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 and it's interesting <laughs> where, you know, there's a certain degree of like intimacy in the conversation where people are talking about their motivations, talking about their work. And, you know, there may be this feeling that, that connection is different than it is. And with something that's people oriented and having a retrograde, it just leads to confusion sometimes. And oh yeah, just a lot, a lot of stress. Sure. Yeah. And last week was, it was at his worst. And I was like, I'm going to get off of Instagram for a bit. I don't need you to directly contact me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that, uh, that time away is, is crucial. Yeah. Uh, so this is the last real question. I can't leave out the fact that with all of the other things that you're, you're you're doing, all of the other titles that you have, you're also an author. And you said you were working on your third book or what have you. Um, so 
Tell me about like the process of like maybe writing your first book and kind of where you're at and writing your third book. And what were those feelings that you've had upon um, completion of the the two that you've done so far and where you're at with this current one? Okay. Um, I've been writing poetry since I was, I was little and it escalated a lot when my parents divorced because it was a great um, outlet. It's a great outlet for, for not fitting in or for feeling rejected or, um, you know, not feeling great, you know, for women, especially we harp a lot on body image. So that was definitely a part of it as well. So, yeah, there was, um, like early on, uh, would write, you know, the first poems were really bad. And then like, I guess I was like 11 or, um, and then, you know, progressively, I guess uh, they got a little more interesting and better and, um, so my anxiety, I think, helped generate like some very rhythmic ones in high school. Um, so that was the first book was a compilation, I think, of my best work that I felt I could share publicly at the time. Because <laughs> some of the best work is, is pretty, pretty um, out there. Um, <laughs> uh, and then the second uh, book... Um, was uh, a decade of Facebook statuses. So I basically <laughs> took like the best ones um, from 10 years and uh, the funniest and the deepest ones. And I thought they could help people out and people might enjoy them. Cause I love books of quotes, something that like um, when you read or say right away, you catch an epiphany from it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that one I dig a lot because there's a lot of fun stuff in there and um, things to make you think. And both getting both out was really important. Like I didn't do all the bells and whistles. I self-published because um, I just needed to get it out there. These these had been ready for years, mm-hmm. but I was being super perfectionist about it. And then I was just like, who cares? Like I'm not doing this for sales. I'm doing this to publish, you know, something I'm proud of. And if people buy it, you know, that's cool. But if they don't, it's not my primary occupation or anything. Um, And not that that would suck, (laughs) but you know, it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, The third one is, yeah, like I said about dad, it's very complex um, because he was um, a very big um, concert promoter uh, locally and then regionally and then nationally and um, dealt with a lot of uh, struggles and, and different things um, that were going on in his life that caused, you know, him to uh, be, um, I mean, a lot of, a lot of his, his work was, was, inc- I mean, totally brilliant. Um, but there, there were times that were extremely difficult for him and difficult for the family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that it would be great um, to kind of tell the whole story, the good, bad, and the ugly of the life um, and share lessons from it and um, really funny stories from it and encapsulate his being because he is uh, one of the most, if not the most fascinating human um, I've ever known. Thank you. Um, and Yeah, sure. But yeah, they, they make you feel good. So just get it out there and you can just, you know, hand something over to someone instead of a, a normal gift. Like, here's my heart, you know? Yeah. That's- or here's like um, 
some of my brain. People can get to, if you're open, and a lot of it's confessional, the poetry per se too, um, people can read it and know you without even talking to you. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's an intimate but, And that's good and bad. Yeah. The same thing with social media. You know, people, oh, I know you, I've been following you. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I've shared. <laughs> right, this is curated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, obviously there's a lot of stuff we don't feel the need, like, or compelled. There's stuff we definitely don't just don't want to put out. And then there's other stuff that, you know, as you get older, like, hopefully, at least I've gotten to a point where I don't need to share everything that I think or that I do. Yeah, um, I, I remember when I was younger. I, I I would I could not look at old like social media posts that I did because I'm oh, like God. I'm thinking oh. of like you know 21. Man, I have indigestion. It's like is that a is that a status? Is that a status? Yeah, is, are yeah, you proud of that? Right. <laughs> right? Yeah, we were just so TMI. Like, and and the Gen Z is is crazy TMI. God love them. I'm like on the cusp of the like uh, the last millennial year. So like that would be um the cusp of uh Gen X. Mm. So like I think we've learned to be a little more present in the moment. I, I tell I tell my dude Mo that I'm just like, honey, can you collect your you know photos and videos at the event? That's great, or when we're hanging with people, but post it later so you can actually be with the people. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not you know that urgent. And, you know, he gets on me because he likes to document in the moment. And I totally get it. I mean, if I didn't do it for a job, maybe I would, too. Um, But but that's just, you know, another example. But but yeah, a lot of the younger millennials and and um, all of Gen Z is just like if you think it, it's posted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think one is good to have a place to express yourself. But but two, not you can't necessarily trust everyone, you know, with your innermost thoughts, things can be used later on. Yeah. You know, or, um, it sometimes is not, is not taken, you know, uh, kindly, you know, but by other folks, not that that's your fault, but I just think as, as you, again, just like in business, I think personally, as you get older, you're just a little more naturally, uh, careful, uh, with with those things, I don't even try. I just it doesn't occur to me to post it. Or um, if I I'm about to post something, um, I catch myself because I realize the comments on it will take all day long, and I don't have the energy. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll be old man social media real quick, and that was kind of the end of our real questions before we get to these rapid fire ones. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, being in that, it, what do they say, like ancient millennials or what have you? It's like. Well, <laughs> It's like I'm I'm 37. Don't don't do that. And uh, yeah, you try to help them, but you feel self righteous because you're just like, oh, uh, I, I do that too. But you want to prevent them, you know, from your mistakes. But you just can't. People have to have to uh, make their own. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's rapid fire time, and the way that these are going to go, I got like five of them for you. Uh, try to answer these as quickly as possible. First thing that comes to the mind. Don't curate oh, it. Don't overthink it. Um, all right. First question. Besides money, what is your favorite way to compensate people? Uh, money is not my favorite way, but what, what's my favorite uh, money? Uh, um, I mean, to, favorite way to compensate people. Uh, just support. Okay. Uh, 
most popular, what's the popular piece of entrepreneurial advice that you just disagree with? You're like, nah, I don't, I don't really agree with that. Uh, Some people say, oh, it takes money to make money. It's like, sure, but you're using that wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I feel you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I know you said just what's the first thing you think of, but nothing has been thought. <laughs> so hold on. No, you good, you good. Yeah, yeah, let me think. Um, Some stuff I don't agree with. Um, I guess, I guess the whole be professional all the time thing, I know that's going to come off bad, mm -mm. but professional has a weird context. Like sometimes even in networking um, meetings, this, that, and the other people are so guarded that their, their human is out. And when they're, when their human is out, it's hard to connect with other people and make them want to, to like you, trust you, respect you, support you, realize who you really are because you know, as we know, a lot of times we support people um, over brands. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, we support a founder, we love the founder. So we'll, we'll support um, their services or their products. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, the whole thing about like be tight lip professional, like, you know, say exactly the don't say anything personal at all and all that. I, I, I think that that's very dated. And, um, you know, it can go the other way as well. It's not great to be extreme and only personal as well. Um, but I, I think a balance of, yeah, getting to the job at hand, but also inquiring about how they're doing and, you know, um, offering any, any like uh, tips or jokes or whatever, you know, to lessen the load. Because yeah. we're really just straight up all human bear before any of this stuff, yeah. you know, happened. And we forget that. Yeah. No, that's 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 true. And, and I, I I agree with that. I have the same belief, that whole professionalism thing. It's so many things baked into it. There's racial things baked into it. It's a lot oh, yeah. of goofy stuff. Oh, you're not a professional. It's like, what are you saying? I feel like you're calling me the N-word on the low. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oy vey. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I was waiting for that. It's amazing. <laughs> 10 on 10. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to switch up a little bit. What's your favorite dessert? Oh my God. Black bottoms. <laughs> I love black bottoms. Yeah. Cupcakes and Reese's. You get it. You get it. And Oreos. <laughs> I, I love a I love a red velvet cake or tres leches too. Ooh. Yeah. I'm, I dig that. I'm I dig that. I feel you, but it would be lower on my list. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh what's something about Baltimore that you wish more people knew? Uh because this is obviously like, you know, not only being listened to folks in Baltimore and we we have that one of the, one of the things that this pod is doing and I'm padding right now. Uh, one of the things that this pod yeah, no does is um, it, it tries to show like, yo, we got a lot of cool stuff here. We have like a lot of culture here that often doesn't get listed in the conversation. Exactly. That that that's what I would say. I say what people don't know about Baltimore. Um, everyone that I think lives here or most people that live here know all the the culture the rich culture and talent that we have here and singers and artists and you know mcs and um and writers and um, musicians uh visual you know um artists uh i said artists but that that covers everything and a lot of folks on the outside it seems you know just really know or have heard of the Orioles, the Ravens, the Harbor, <laughs> yeah. the Wire, um, and the crime. So, 
Um, for me, I always just like to highlight the great events. I mean, I don't overlook the negative stuff because it's important to acknowledge it and work on it and support people that are actually doing something about it, you know, and that's not every politician. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it's, it's community organizer folks that, that, you know, don't really get compensated to do it. Um, but where was I? <laughs> no, you're, I think you're, I think you're right. I think you're on the nail is on the head there. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so they, um, I think that, you know, it's important, um, to just keep highlighting a lot of the positive, um, experiences and, and figures, um, to show people just, just the wealth of, um, beauty and depth that we have here. Um, I know you love to do it. I love to do it. We have that in common. Yeah. And, you know, and good taste in desserts as well. So that's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So fast, the, they're like the fast. I, I like said the fast food desserts, like Oreos and Reese's. And you had some like food. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I mean, I'll eat a McDonald's like apple pie, like straight out of the, you know, let's <laughs> not. Um, all right. So here's the last one. And I, and I think I have a sense of it, but, uh, Regardless, it could be movie, it could be TV, it could be meme. What is something that, without failure, is going to make you laugh? Like, what's something that always makes you laugh? Tickling. Um, when people t- tickle me, I hate them, but it definitely <laughs> makes me laugh. Um, but other things make me laugh. I like, you know, silly like slapstick stuff um, in, in movies um, fr- from time to time, but not so dumb that you just can't tolerate it. Right. Um, stuff that uh, clever, clever humor for sure. I love, I love, you know, Dave Chappelle. I love like, you know, the iconic um, comedians. Well, there you have it. Um, thank you. Thank you for, for, for being open and taking the time and, and chatting with me. Um, and thank you for being interested. I'd like to hear more about you. Absolutely. Um, we'll, but- we'll talk again. We'll talk again. Um, so, I know that um, I want to um, invite you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, website, social media, all of that good stuff, as if you need it, but sure, why not? <laughs> you're very, you're very, no, um, sure. Uh, the site is hnseek.com. That's H-N-S-E-E-K.com. And uh, the primary social for me would be Instagram. Um, I'm on all the others, but I'm most active there, I believe, at the moment. So that's um, Hide and Seeks. That's at H-E-I-D-N-S-E-E-K-S. And yeah, please follow and um, would love to follow back and happy to engage. So there you have it, folks. I want to, again, thank the great Heidi Klotzman for coming onto the podcast. I'm Rob Lee saying that there is entertainment, promotion, just, just people doing great things in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. 